Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop. My name is Arafat and as always I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Say hi Mohammed. Hi guys. We have an amazing show for you today where I think there's just loads to discuss from the last week or so from Vettel deciding to retire, Alonso deciding to join Aston Martin. I went on a visit to Enstone and saw the Alpine facilities uh, and then we have a whole race to discuss as well. So let's get right into it. So we're joined again by Umaima, who you'll remember from previous episodes when her smoke alarm kept going beep, beep, beep in the background. Is the fire alarm sorted? If by sorted you mean no longer on the ceiling, then yes, it's sorted. <laughs> yeah, what, so it no what longer happened makes to your noise. It doesn't make a noise. That's sorted. Why is, it, why is it no longer in the ceiling? Is it in the wall now? It's on the table. Without Excellent. a battery in it. I basically, <laughs> I changed the battery and it still kept making the noise and it was driving me crazy. So I just took it off the wall, off the ceiling. I think those things are designed to drive people insane and that's why they do that. Yeah, but it's not supposed to beep continuously. I should probably get it looked at by an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, so, Mohammed, how have you been? I'm good. You went on the adventure this time. I've been going on too many adventures, I so I, I decided to take it easy this week, and, and you're the one who went out. That's pretty cool. I did. We'll talk about that after we go over the big news of the week, which the first thing was Vitel retiring. Hmm. Did you? Was that another event that you slept through? No. Well, yes and no. Okay, so like I was awake when he opened his Instagram, and... Um, like everybody was following it and first there's people trying to verify it was real and I was like oh wow he's he's opened his Instagram that's incredible news um and then like somebody on Reddit said oh Vettel always said he would open his inter- his Instagram sometime before he retires and then that's when I went to sleep so when I woke up and found out he really did retire, I was like, oh, okay, see, now that makes sense. When he said I was going to open an Instagram right before I retire, he meant that literally, like literally right before he retires. So I did wake up to the news, but um, I, I basically slept right before it happened. My favorite was someone on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but they put out a tweet being like, um, why is everyone saying Vettel's going to retire just because he's put out a new Instagram account? Uh, everybody's always so negative talking about Vettel retiring. It's like, if he breathes, all of you are going to be like, oh my God, he's retiring. <laughs> and then a few hours later, they commented under their own tweet saying, this has aged badly. <laughs> <laughs> I like the style by which he retired, like sitting that was so artsy and dramatic. He sat down with the black and white and he's like... My name is Sebastian Vettel, and I'm leaving Formula One. No, my favorite color is blue. I hereby announce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hereby announce my favorite color is blue. I love the smell yeah. of Nutella in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just like and bread <laughs> and bread. <laughs> it was so dramatic. Was the whole so, thing was so dramatic. Exactly. And it wasn't like five minutes long. <laughs> yeah, was... yeah, and I watched the German version as well, which felt even more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, he, did. he did too. He did an English version, a I German to version. to watch the some... German one. Yeah, 
it was so long more dramatic like two minutes in i was like well how much longer is this sebastian i get it you're retiring (laughs) and also you like other things in life apart from formula one and that's why (laughs) you could it was it was cool but like he he didn't say anything actually about formula one he just talked about lots of other things so maybe that's what his his um instagram is gonna be were you surprised that he's retiring Mama, DD to you. Um, not really. Like I think he's just—he's kind of. It almost feels like he's getting a little bit bored of F1, which is the whole five minutes. Like he could have just said, "I'm bored of F1 and I'm going to retire now." Um, but like just the way he's been recently, like he's just not doing that great. Um, it just seemed like storming out of meetings. Seemed like inevitable. But it's funny because, you know, Vettel started sort of same time as Lewis Hamilton, 2007, 2008. Um, You know, he came in in 2006 as a test driver. And then 2007, he was promoted into Toro Rosso for half a season. And he scored points in his first season. He finished in fourth place in China. And then the very next year, in 2008, he won the Italian Grand Prix. It was wet. Like Ferrari and McLaren got their qualifying wrong, and I think it was a Heike Kovalainen came in second place. I remember even then Martin Brundle said it was something like, you know, that boy will be a world champion one day. And you know, then he got promoted up to Red Bull, won four world championships, and he he got so many records, and he he held he still holds a lot of them. So like most wins in a season, he's got thirteen wins. Uh, most consecutive wins. He got nine in a row. Man, that's crazy. Um, 13 wins in a season? Yeah. Isn't... Um, oh, my God. And so, you know, most pole positions in a season, he got 15. Um, he took that record from Nigel Mansell, who was a big hero of his. And his other big hero was obviously Michael Schumacher. And he was... You know, I, I think the biggest thing that to just show how much Sebastian Vettel loves Formula One is... Do you remember the grill, the grid challenge? where everybody had to name world champions. champions. And Vettel went all the way back to the beginning. He knew everyone. And his brain is like an encyclopedia for Formula One. Wow. And he, I remember when he was in Red Bull, he was obsessed with statistics. And he always wanted to get the fastest lap. And this was before it even counted for, you know, a point or anything like that. He just... He wanted the statistics. He wanted the grand slams. He wanted, you know, he was obsessed with all these numbers. And I feel like since the end of his Ferrari career, when he talks in interviews and things, and people say, "What do you want your legacy to be?" He's like, "Yeah, who cares? I just want to fix old motorbikes and hang out in Switzerland and not have to talk to anyone." <laughs> that's um, kind of what I mean about his like. He just seems a bit yeah. bored of it. Like he just doesn't seem like that same drive that he had. That he was so obsessed with everything, and now he's just yeah. like. Yeah, whatever. I think you're just in such a different place. Yeah. Oh, maybe did you watch Sebastian uh, in when he was winning? When he was winning everything, and by all accounts, he was insufferable. Like everyone hated yeah. him. He was arrogant. What did you think about him when you were watching? Were you like, "Wow, this guy sucks. He wins everything." Yeah. So I didn't like him at all. Like back then, I remember yeah. it was just being like, he was he was similar to Michael Schumacher in that way. Like, you know, he was just winning everything. It was just really annoying. He had that kind of mm. just, I suppose it was that drive and that obsession. Um, and maybe they had that, that similar kind of personality where they were just so driven to 
to win. Um, but it did make him annoy, and I did not like him back then. And then I remember when it was when he was at Ferrari and everything started to go wrong for him. And he just looked yeah. so sad. And it was like, oh, maybe maybe you're okay, actually. So is that what is that what humbled him? Was it moving to Ferrari? That, or is it just like getting older? I think he was just getting older. I think it was a combination. Yeah. I think when he went to Ferrari, like the whole thing of going to Ferrari was, yeah, he's going to go there and he's going to win. And then mm-hmm. he like did not. He did so. Well, he went at the same time. Lewis went to Mercedes. Exactly. And I think that was. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was before he became sad at Ferrari that suddenly he became <laughs> human to everybody. And it was when you know he used to sit in press conferences when you know everything was really tense between Lewis and Nico, mm. and he would just sit there making jokes, and he'd be like, "At least one person in here is happy today," and <laughs> you know things like that. And I think that's what made him more human. Because before that, he was just like a machine. Um, And I think he was annoying, but I didn't... Yeah, I found him irritating that he won everything. And I, I, to an extent, I understand people who found Lewis Hamilton winning everything tedious. Um, Obviously for us, whenever we see Lewis win, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, So there'll be people that supported Sebastian in the same way. But, you know, the, the annoying thing about Vettel was he would win. He didn't carry all the mm-hmm. same off-track baggage that someone like Verstappen carries, which mm. I think sets him apart. Um, or is it just because we didn't have social media, so we didn't get to see the off-track Yeah, maybe, baggage. but also Vettel didn't have social media, but he... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he just... You know, there, there was nobody like Jos Verstappen around. When, like, Sebastian's yeah, yeah, yeah. dad showed up, it was, like, really sweet and all that kind of stuff, and it it just all felt a bit more wholesome than the current Red Bull vibe. How, how do you think his legacy is going to go down? Because when people talk about the GOAT convi- conversation, it's Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso is in there, Alan Prost, uh, Senna. I don't really hear v- Sebastian's name get included, but you think it should be? Do you think he'll go down as one of the very great drivers of Formula 1? Or I think he should be, because oh, he should be in that conversation. Like the number of world championships that he's won and what he did at the peak of his career was still very impressive. He's not a one-time world champion. Like, you know, there's, there's quite a few drivers that are just one-time world champion. He's not like that. So I think he's he's worthy of being in that conversation, I think. I just want to tell our listeners, um, you can't see Umay Madidi right now, but from the neck down, she is all blanket. And she's got a level of comfort that is unparalleled on our podcast right it now. It is ten thirty <laughs> at night, and I've done like a twelve-hour shift, so I'm allowed. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> you know, people talk about Vettel's like annoyingness, and I remember when we were talking about Michael Schumacher last year. You said the same thing, where people kind of hated Michael Schumacher. You kind of hated Michael Schumacher. I th- no, I think when like Vettel would win, I'd be like, oh, he's won again. But I didn't really have anything bad to say about him as a person. Yeah. And I wouldn't, like, go out and say anything. Like, I think the only things that I can remember is one when he crashed into Lewis on purpose in Azerbaijan. Hmm. And the other one is the Multi-21 saga where he stole a win from Mark Webber. What is the Multi-21 saga? Everyone keeps talking about that as part of his legacy. So in Malaysia once, Mark Webber was in first place and Vettel Mm -hmm. was second. Mm-hmm. 
and they were given an order which was multi-21 and everyone thought that was an engine mode mm-hmm. and Mark Webber had like turned his engine down and wasn't fighting anymore because they mm-hmm. were told whoever leads after the first corner wins the race you're just mm-hmm. to fly in formation after that and Vettel started attacking he turned everything up and Christian Horner kept coming on the radio being like Sebastian come on this is getting silly now and he attacked Weber got ahead of him and went on and won the race mm-hmm. and then Weber was like Seb multi-21 multi-21 and we later found out that multi-21 was a code word that meant um this is the order you're finishing in so Mark Weber's car number two Vettel mm-hmm. was car number one you are to finish in that order mm-hmm. um and Vettel broke the team orders and just took did the Did he need the points for the championship or he just did it for the fun of it? No, he did it because he was obsessed with the statistics. He wanted the most wins. He wanted the most championships. He wanted the oh, most I fastest see. laps, everything. So yeah. he, like in his mind, he couldn't get past the idea of giving somebody else a win. Uh, okay. It's, is it, so is it, it's different than, than uh, Valtteri, it's, uh, James, Valtteri, it's James, that whole thing, right? It's because that was more of a, he needed the points for the championship. Or, yeah, no, no Vettel didn't need them. He just took yeah. it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I do if, think he, if he had needed a... them, then the, the 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 team orders would have been different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, everyone keeps saying that that's going to go down as part of his uh, legacy. Um, yeah, and I think that's just part of when he was really young. He was obsessed yeah. with winning. Yeah, and as he got older, I think he found other things in life more important. Yeah, I remember that race. I remember how how like Weber's face after that race. Like yeah, and just... I think you really saw the difference in age at that point. Like Weber was like close to a retirement, man and Vettel was a boy. Yeah, we were going to do our fan hot take of the week. It was going to be who's going to take Sebastian's place. And just before I posted it, we got the news that Alonso was moving to Aston Martin. So that's why we didn't do one this week because I was like, uh, Alonso just stole our fan question of the week. But uh, Arthur, what were you doing when you found that Alonso was moving? I think I I got a text from a friend who just said Alonso going to um, Aston Martin. And I thought when I saw the text, I thought it's probably just a theory or something. Maybe like I was like, let's open up this chat conversation. I thought he was going to be like Alonso moving to Aston Martin. Let me explain why I think this is what's going to happen. And then he just did sad face because he's an Alpine fan. And I went, "Eh, what? And then I opened up Twitter and it's all like going off and it was about 20 minutes wait, after wait, the announcement. Wait, 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 I'm insulted. You didn't see my text to you first. I texted you the second it happened. And I said in all caps, this is not a drill. Arfat, wake up. But you sent that to me you didn't, way before. You, you sent that in, in the group, you see. So <laughs> and he, he probably, doesn't read the group chat? Exactly. He probably and just ignores the group And where were you, Umayme I texted you too right. to say... You texted me that at 9.04, right? Four, and then 9 o'clock is when the news broke, FYI. So I was only a couple minutes... I was probably the first person to text you. Oh yeah, he texted me at 9.17. I just looked at his first. <laughs> oh my god. Because <laughs> it was the group. <laughs> The group had like a hundred messages to read. I texted so. you in two different groups. Two different what groups. What was the other I one? Think. What other group? The, one, of, one of the other slow pit stop groups that we have. I texted you in oh, that yeah, one too. Yeah. The crying session one. And you was ignored that. Was that this morning? That yeah, was this morning. Yeah. Oh my God. This oh, yeah, has been such a long day. That even earlier. 
Where were you? <laughs> I should have texted you individually. That's what I'll do. Yeah, from and now then because basically I have all group chats on mute, whereas individual chats I leave with notifications. So when <sighs> my friend texted me, it came up like on my lock screen, whereas when you text me, I wouldn't have seen it until I opened WhatsApp. That is insulting. That is uh, <laughs> what it's just. I broke the news to, to groups you. on mute. Right. We'll put this out as our, our vote for the week on Twitter. Should you mute all groups on WhatsApp? Yes or no? Yes. The answer is no if I'm in the group. If I'm not, then go ahead and do whatever you want. <laughs> right. All right. So but Alonzo you me, is Were moving. you surprised? Was I surprised? I was like floored. I thought it was like like um, a mean thing at first. Because the, the account that tweeted it is called that I saw first was is called Formula Racers, and Formula Racers has two versions. There's like Formula Racers underscore, and then Formula Racers no underscore, and then no underscore one is a fake page with memes and stuff that they put out like fake stuff. So I thought it was fake, and then I went to the Aston Martin page, and the Aston Martin had like they had it on their page, and I just could not understand where this came from. And apparently Alonso has been talking about it for, or he's been doing negotiations for a week. I thought as soon as Sebastian retired, he immediately pounced on it or something. And I can't understand why he would do this. Like, does he just care about getting paid? Is this a Daniel Ricardo to Renault move where he just gets paid a crap ton of money and a worse car? Like, there's no way you look at Aston Martin and say, you know, that is the team to move to from Alpine. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. So I think there's lots of factors here. Vettel told the team he was retiring, I think, on the Wednesday before he made the announcement. They said, you know, we wanted to keep him, but he said, I'm going to retire. Now, there's some people that are saying this all happened so quick that maybe he was told to retire because Aston wanted Alonso anyway. But the official story that we're getting is... Patel announced it on a Wednesday, the race weekend happened, and on the Thursday, um, they had the chat. Because a lot of people at Aston Martin will know Alonso. Um, people like Martin Whitmarsh, who was at McLaren. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently what Alonso has been attracted to is the fact that they... Are, one, they're going to give him a multi-year contract, right? Yeah. I think the sticking thing at Alpine was they were offering him one year and they actually came out like two weeks ago and said, and we're going to have a a World Endurance Championship car and we hope to see Alonso in our car there in 2024. Yeah. So basically Alpine announced accidentally that they're going to have Alonso in their car for 2023 and then he's going to be out for 2024 and they're going to bring Piastri in. Mm Mm-hmm. Alonso, maybe he found this insulting. Maybe he was like, no, I want a multi-year deal or mm-hmm. what, I don't know. But that's what he's getting at Aston Martin. And the other thing is, I think it's just about money, not in the sense of Alonso's salary, but the money that is being thrown at Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. They are taking engineers from Mercedes, mm-hmm. from Red Bull, um from McLaren they are building a new wind tunnel new facilities that people are going to start moving into next year mm-hmm. you know they are yeah they're literally throwing money at their team like crazy yeah they have so one of the they're... biggest budgets for one team that's p9 right now <laughs> yeah but I think they're p9 because that's a car that was built off the old facilities and resources 
Whereas what they're looking at is 2026 and oh. the resources they're ha- going to have for that. Re- so so what is Alonzo's plan? To stick it out till 2026? He came in for the new era of regulations, the 2022 regulations. Yeah, that and was he came promise. into Alpine hoping it would become a race-winning car and right now it isn't. And he could either have one more year there and then have to be moved aside for Piastri or... But Alpine uh, has made huge progress this year. First of all, they're P4 in the championship. They're like... P6 for the past couple of years. And on top of that, I mean, their, their car, the problem with them is that their car is very fast, but it's very fragile. Like, Alonso's had, like, four DNFs. And if their car had not DNFed so many times, he'd be something... I think he did... Somebody did the math. It's, like, 55 points ahead he'd be in the, in the championship. But you can't so say if like, it didn't DNF. The whole point of the car is he got to be reliable. I guess that's true, but what I, you can build in the reliability, so... Aston Martin, however, they've got this potentially very fast car like Mercedes, but where Mercedes is able to make improvements and fix the problems in their car, Aston Martin really hasn't. They have a B-spec car. The, the, the car they're driving right now is like the red or the green Red Bull, and it's still finishing like just outside the points or right like the cusp of one point here and there. Like I just don't understand like... When you're looking at the trajectory of things, they I wonder if Aston Martin showed him something that gave him faith that they're really going to have, like, the car moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, they showed him a contract that says, you're not going to be <laughs> fired after a year for Oscar Piastri. <laughs> gave him but a also, lot of I faith. Think this co- Alpina, I think everything happened so quick because for uh, Aston made the announcement, and then, like, an hour later, Fernando made the announcement. Yeah. And then it was almost an hour after that that Alpine made an announcement. Yeah, 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 and I think Alpine were, were out, yeah. caught off guard. Definitely. I what, you mean agree. you I think, think it... that like it was almost as if Alpine found out from the other two announcements rather than actually knowing? Well, they didn't have a press release prepared. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you saw what their first message was, right? Like on social media before their official statement. It was like, what? we are going to miss you, Fernando. We had such great times and we're yeah. ready to enjoy. It's basically like a social media intern had to type something up and put it <laughs> yeah. on. Like it wasn't anything official at all. It was just like, we're going to miss you, Fernando. We are looking forward to our last few races together. Like it wasn't like any. And then and then after that, the official statement came out like a little bit later. So, yeah, I do think that. I think the other thing is. Aston Martin are putting all their money into the future. They're building huge things. Um, and they've taken like the head of aerodynamics from Red Bull, Dan Fallows. Yeah. And he has not much to do with the current Aston Martin. But the n- next one that's going to come out, that's going to have his touch all over it. So I guess that's what... I, I think, you know, Alonso plays poker a lot. He's into gambling. I think he's constantly gambling on the next thing to be the one okay well he's gambled like four times because you put a nice tweet out uh, or it was like a tiktok about all the teams that alonzo has been at he started at minority right and then he went to mclaren uh, no he went to Renault. Renault. oh yeah Renault first uh, and then mclaren yeah and then back to Renault. and then back to Renault. and then ferrari yep and then back to Renault. Right? No, from Ferrari. No, and then back to McLaren. to McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> and then retired and then came back to Renault slash Alpine and is yeah. now moving to us. So why not move back to McLaren? That's re- that's how he should have done or Ferrari. 
<laughs> I don't think Ferrari would take him. And what is Minardi now? What what have they evolved Toro, into? So AlphaTauri. So he should have gone to AlphaTauri. He needs to come full circle. What is his <laughs> jumping ship to Aston Martin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's going to the Green Bull. He's going for you know from oh, Toro Rosso okay. yeah. up to the Green Bull. That's what that's the logical. Yeah. If map. if we get to winter testing or winter whatever, yeah, winter testing and um, and Aston Martin is not the fourth fastest car or the third fastest car. If it's anything other than that, Alonso will have made a massive mistake. I think. Would you agree? I don't know. I think from his point of view, he's almost very content to be like, I just enjoy racing. And he says, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. But, you know, he makes jokes about the midfield. And I think in his mind, because he, he, he keeps talking about how Formula One is a team thing. So, and I think when he says that, he doesn't say it as, you know, we win and lose together as a team. I think he says it as, I'm the best. The reason I'm not winning is because of the team around me. Yeah, um, but I think, like I you're think, saying, I when think he says he, it out loud. That's what he's saying. I think he just wants to drive. Like I don't think he's. He might say, "I want to win," but I think he's almost just like, "I just want to be in a car driving." Yeah, he said something. There was a quote he said the other day. Like he's like, "I don't have a family or anything. This is what I love doing." And it was like, I think to to an extent, it boils down to. Alpine were giving him a one-year contract mm-hmm. and Aston Martin had given him two, maybe Not three years. Year. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have to, this dude is going to have to come out, go back into retirement. At some, he's the oldest driver on the grid. I I don't know what he's hoping to get more out of Formula One. He won't win another title unless he gets taken up by like Ferrari after Charles Leclerc goes into hiding. You know, that's one option. <laughs> or, like, I just don't know. Is he trying to get another race? Is he just trying to win races? I think he like... did retire and he went away, right? Yeah. He went away and lived life without Formula One for two years. Mm-hmm. And, and he must he love it, it so apparently. much that he's like, <laughs> no, that's the thing I want to be doing, driving F1 cars. And I don't yeah. know, I, if you asked any of us, would you have one year in a good car or three years in an average car, but be able to be part of the F1 circus and get paid to go drive a Formula One car. I know I would take the multi-year deal. I take the one-year deal and I'd win a championship and then I'd retire. (laughs) Yeah, I know I'm not winning anything. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take the Aston Martin drive around. (laughs) Well, in this alternate universe, hypothetical, we have to be good enough to drive F1 cars they're not picking us yeah. up the way we are now. I could barely drive. A, I can't even drive a manual car. What is the second gear? What is it? <laughs> what does it do? <laughs> what is a clutch? What do you think this means for the rest of the grid, though? Yeah, so it, it kind of jumbles everything up, right? Because you assume now that Piastri is moving to Alpine for sure, for sure. But then he yeah. was supposed to be taking Latifi's spot in Williams. And so yeah. as, I'm and assuming... he was chatting with McLaren as well. <laughs> He was. Oh, you know, so that's the other thing. The, t- the talks to McLaren are, like, real. And apparently he has a deal, like a, a preliminary deal with McLaren that he really will take Dan and Ricardo's seat. So then who does Alpine take? And who does Williams take when they boot Latifi? Although they really shouldn't. He went fastest in FP3. So I don't yeah, know why you would want to. I know, Goat Tifi. Why would you take? Why would you get rid of your fastest driver? But if they get rid of Latifi, who's going to take his spot? And then Mick Schumacher, is he moving around? Is he keeping his spot at Haas? 
Rumors are that he's trying to leave. Sebastian wanted him to go to Aston Martin. Maybe he'll go take, I don't know, somebody's seat somewhere else. I don't know. Um, I think for sure Nick DeVries is going to come into the conversation now and maybe somebody else as well. I don't know. Didi, what do you think is going to happen? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, people are saying all sorts of weird things online, like Charles Leclerc will go to Alpine and um, (laughs) Piastri will go to Williams and... Alban will go to Ferrari and all nice. sorts of crazy nonsense. I think basically got the it's going to, to be really, really boring. Yeah, so do Everyone I. I think going to stay exactly where they are. I think there's basically going to be like the the Ferraris aren't going to change. McLaren's not going to change. Alpine, obviously, there's this, but like I think there's literally going to be like two or three people that just move around a little tiny bit. I don't think this is going to be a big season where like you have lots of shuffling around. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a one, one a or two. Like that? When was the last big shuffle of a season? Was that this year? Maybe no, 2020? I think it was when Ricardo moved to... Was it two years ago. It was suddenly triggered a whole bunch of things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> so, okay, let's just say... We'll make our prediction now. Piastri goes to Alpine. Daniel Ricardo is going to everyone else clean. stays exactly where they are. Well, no, well, <laughs> Latifi's, Latifi's spot gets replaced with Nick DeVries. No, I think Latifi will just stay there. They'll, like, forget <laughs> to fire him. <laughs> They like his money, but that's pretty much the only thing about him that they like is <laughs> his dad's money. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people are going to have all sorts of predictions and DeVries come to Williams and this person come to Williams, Logan Sargent, whatever. And I think in the end, nothing will change. Well, that's your opinion. Here's my prediction. Yeah. I think <laughs> Dan Ricardo will be paid to take a seat and go home for a year the way they did to Kimi. And uh, I think Oscar Piastri will take a spot at McLaren. And I think Daniel Ricciardo will turn around and say, no. And he'll take the seat back at Alpine slash Renault. It'll be, you know, mind-blowing. And I think Mick Schumacher will move to Williams. And that Latifi will lose his seat. Nick DeVries will take his spot at Haas. And um, what else? I think Joe and Nicky Snowden will switch spots. changing around. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think Joe and Yuki Tsunoda will switch spots just for the fun of it. That's my final prediction. Yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen. But I feel for <laughs> Mick Schumacher because he left the Ferrari Driver Academy last week because I think he was almost certain he was moving to Aston Martin. And uh, <laughs> Fernando was like, no. Um, but yeah, the the Alpine people had no idea I think and yeah I think it's a shame for them to lose Alonso but I think Piastri will bring something different to the team you mean Daniel Ricciardo (laughs) and uh, yeah I think they're going to beat McLaren this year oh yeah they'll beat McLaren for sure McLaren is hampered by Daniel Ricciardo that's why I think you should move to Renault and give McLaren some breathing room so they can take the P4 poor guy (laughs) <laughs> I think it'd be quite funny if Alonso just keeps going from place to place beating the last team so you know he was at McLaren <laughs> and now he's with Alpine and he's going to beat McLaren and if next year or the year after Aston he goes Martin to Aston and beats, Alpine. and beats Alpine he just goes from place to place beating the last team but never ever going more than fourth in the constructors <laughs> just that always getting really fourth funny. he was on the podium right last year I think he had a podium yeah sometime. he was where was yeah, he in yeah, the podium yeah. Qatar yeah it was somewhere I think so right? I think Qatar yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a podium. Uh, so yeah, good for us. Maybe there is potential. Um, but I would you have ever thought? Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, tell yeah. us about your Alpine visit. I forgot. So Alpine on Sunday, we're doing an open day for uh, like friends and family of staff that work there. So they sort of oh. opened the doors and um, they had lots of signs saying no photography. So I couldn't take many pictures, but I got to see um, some of the 2022 cars. I got to see Alonso's uh, championship winning car. I don't know if it was a 2005 or 2006 one. I took a photo with that. I got to see the driver's trophy, the constructor's trophy. Wow. And just all the facilities, the way they build gearboxes and the 3D printing and wow. the smell of the 3D printers. That's so cool. Um, I can see why people might get high in that room. It was like very <laughs> solventy. Um, but yeah, and then they had a car that was just revving. It, Wait, hold I took on. A video Before we get of, to that, if I didn't know that you work at Alpine. Why didn't you bring me along as your friend and or family? Um, so I went along as the friend and or family. I'm not, I'm not an employee there. That's extremely lame. Why didn't I, I am I not you. your family? Can we, could we not both go? Was it only a plus one? Yeah, no, it was literally only a plus one. <sighs> I could take my daughter because children came for free and they had a bouncy castle. So you brought your daughter, but you castle. didn't bring me. Oh my God. Yes. Children, children come for free. for free. What am I? I'm a child. <laughs> You are a, a child. 26-year-old child. That's what I'm saying. See, you get it. But yeah, Don't answer just, my text. Don't you know, bring somebody, me to Alpine. <laughs> As somebody that works in the NHS, I was like, wow, it's amazing how they treat their employees. Because they had like all these food trucks with like burgers and barbecues oh, wow. and pizzas and That's all awesome. this stuff. And I was like, you know, I got my phone out ready to pay for my friend that had taken me along. And they were like, yeah, just take whatever you want. Everything's free. Drinks are free. Wow. Um, you go to the canteen. They filled up all the fridges with cold drinks. And they're like, yeah, just take whatever you want. Oh, my God. Um, they had a Formula One car there that they painted white. And the kids, like, drove it in crayon. Um, we saw race control. <laughs> and they put up little signs saying, quiet, please. Um, it was really, really cool. Oh, you can see and, race control, too? Like, they're, like the tracks. Yeah. The Wow, that's so cool. Did you and, see um, them make the historic decision to put their drivers no, on No, I was hearts? downstairs. I was like, you know, in the, I don't know what it's called, like the race bays or whatever. Yeah. And they had the, the race on a big screen. And um, it's funny because I've been to McLaren Technology Center when I used to like be a medical student under the team doctor. And when you go to McLaren, it's like, like, Didi, you've been there with me. It's like you've gone somewhere very, very futuristic, right? Yeah. Hmm. And you're like, whoa, all the stuff that's here. And it's like amazing. And Alpine is nothing like that. It's just like a big rectangular box. Mm. Um, and it's, it's weird because they, they literally have all the same things McLaren do. But somehow it feels smaller and old school. Mm. And it feels like... like and when McLaren, I McLaren, like when we, when the McLaren, when we went, that was good. I want to say at least 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah, like Jensen and Lewis were the drivers at the time. Yeah, and wow. at that time, like even at that time, I remember, do you remember oh, we drove in and as we drove in, it just like yeah. appeared and it was like surrounded yeah. by like a moat and it was just like yeah. spectacular. Yeah, it's a gorgeous whereas there's building. nothing, and the way like I relate it back to my own work is going to McLaren was like going to the big fancy university teaching hospital. 
Hmm. And Alpine is like the small district general hospital. <laughs> but like sometimes, like small district generals, you know, really punch above really, their weight. And I felt yeah. like that's what was happening at Alpine. Because when I went to McLaren, it was just before, like, I went there lots of times. But one of the times, it was just before the British Grand Prix. And a lot of the engineers were like, yeah, we're not going to Silverstone. We're going to go and watch Surrey play cricket instead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you, like, I just, I didn't understand. Like, why are you not even watching the race on TV? And I think, maybe it's not now, or maybe it's the people I was sat around, but it just kind of felt like, okay, I've studied engineering at Imperial or Cambridge. Now I get a job at McLaren. That's just the natural pathway. Wow. And like, it, like it's, it was just a job. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Alpine, like we're watching the race and like, you know, there's people like shouting and like, you know, truly passionate about getting it. frustrated. Yeah, truly passionate. And I was stood opposite this woman. And when Ricardo overtook both oh. the Alpine, she just turned around and grabbed her face and went, no, <laughs> and just like screamed at me. And I was like, oh, that was, and like in my head, I was like, <laughs> that was a really sweet move from Ricardo. But I'm surrounded by hundreds of people that are very, very passionate about Alpine right now. So I need to also pretend to look sad. And then later I saw her and she was wearing an apron and she had a mop and she was part of like, you know, the janitor and facilities team and she was cleaning yeah. up everything after. And I was like, the passion for this team is all the way from, you know, the, the, the top to the bottom, from like the janitor all the way up to the CEO. It's and I so was like, crazy. This is that... why Alpine is beating McLaren right now. Yeah. Not because they have they clearly don't have better facilities, but it's because of the passion in the team right now. It's just incredible that but the then team yet, is so Alonso has just decided. I know to I was eat. gonna say everyone from the CEO to the janitor except Alonso <laughs> is passionate yeah. about Alpine. <laughs> but I think Alonso is passionate about Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's Alonso's biggest and fan. Driving. I think it's just yeah. driving. Yeah, he wants to drive and he wants to be his biggest fan. <laughs> so that was really cool. So um, what, what, is that something they do every week for friends and family and you got to come this no, time? No, I, I think it was like thing? a once a year thing maybe. Hmm. And I went by accident. <laughs> um, but that's really incredible. I'm, I'm really cl- glad that you got to do that. and uh, I'm I more hope, glad you know, one that day you do it. the baby got to sit in a car oh yeah yeah, yeah. so that's have you, insane have your you ever sat in a fun car have, did you? i have not i yeah. have not no we sat i think no, you know, in, that, in that in that um the car show we sat next to them didn't we we, didn't, we weren't allowed to sit we sat next though. to we didn't sit inside because yeah. i've never sat in one sat on. I, 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 yeah i didn't know if you had or hadn't um because yeah. i was gonna say she the, uh, she's now the first person in the family to ever sit in a formula one car that's incredible. That's so cool. Was it like, did they do like a seat fit? Were they like, okay, this is how, this is where no, you're No, but you know, like be... some, some of the kids are the same size as her. And when they sit down, they just fully disappear. <laughs> and because like you see like a grown adult, like their head barely sticks out of the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. So like a one-year-old, when they sit in it, they just completely disappear. So <laughs> she was stood there. Like in the photo, oh, I she's standing. you can see her head. Wow. She's standing. Oh, right. yeah, She's fully upright that. standing. I thought she was sitting. I, I thought she was sitting. She, sits, she just disappears. Yeah. No, if she sits, she would just disappear. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize she was standing. Oh, I thought she was cool. like happily sitting there. Was no, that actually their upright. car? It, it didn't look like their car. It yeah. looks like the 2022 fake car, no? No, so I was looking at it. I can't work out. I think it's the Lotus E20 or the E21. 
Uh, but okay. we can put a, a picture online, maybe, and our Somebody fans can, can tell us exactly first. what it is. Yeah. But what's yeah. the um, what are they going to do with that? They're going to leave it with the kids' what? scribbles on it. Or was it just out. a fun? No, pack? they'll probably just peel it all off and bin it. I think it was just a fun thing to do. Oh, that's sad. Like, there's literally it's bizarre. There's like Formula One cars everywhere. There was one like garage. It was like a warehouse kind of thing behind where mm-hmm. they were serving burgers. And like I looked inside and it was like this dark garage with like loads of shelves and mismatched boxes. And there was a few like broken front wings on the floor. And there's two red forklifts. And then to the right of a forklift, there was just like a, a Formula <laughs> One car just sat there gathering <laughs> dust. And it's just it's just funny that there's all these cars lying around everywhere. But McLaren was like so that I t- as well. Shall I make you feel better? I got there too late. No, McLaren, they've like laid everything out nicely. Yeah. This was like... We've forgotten this car in the back of the car. <laughs> um, Did you get a chance to watch qualifying? Yeah, yeah, I watch qualifying normally, like at home. So what what did you think about our boy George? I see our boy. He's not really our boy. He's kind of just like an adoptive sibling that we don't care about. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that really love the Mercedes ethos. You know, they, um, they really reflect. And I, I think they're sort of a very modern... Formula One team in the sense of they do everything very systematically. Mm-hmm. Um, they properly reflect and grow as an organization. They learn from their mistakes. They do a lot of like mindfulness and yoga mm-hmm. and all these sort of things. And lots of people really, really support. Them. And they do other things like, you know, they've made their cars black for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And when George Russell was on pole position and Lewis Hamilton was in P7, it very much confirmed to me that I am a Lewis Hamilton fan and not a Mercedes fan. <laughs> you were you like, you know what? <laughs> there has been more than one time this season where I have hoped for a George Russell DNF as a Mercedes. So I think I'm right there with you. Like, I don't really dislike George. Like, I don't really have anything against him. Yeah. But I was like, it's going to be so hard for Lewis to win a race this year. I want him to keep that record of having a win every yeah. year. And like in my mind, I started going through if George wins and then Lewis doesn't have an opportunity for the rest of the year, like the internet will never shut up about it. And I was like, I just, mm-hmm. I can't take that. Yeah. Um, so when Leclerc got past George the first time, I was like, oh, that's the race done. That's all sorted. <laughs> this is the order that everyone will probably finish in. Let's go get ice cream. And then I came back and like Verstappen was in first and Leclerc was like on hards for some reason. I was like, what? What's happened here? So, okay, do you, let's go back to qualifying. Lewis had a DRS issue and that prevented him from putting in a good lap. Uh, Verstappen yeah. also had a Not power a good issue. Lap. He that... didn't do a lap at all in, in Q3. He didn't do a lap. Yeah, exactly. He just went straight into the pits. No, no, he did a lap in Q3. He did he his didn't. banker lap. The he didn't get lap, a right? timed lap for Q3. No, but he finished yeah, he P7. Yeah, yeah, he did. He ha- finished ahead of yeah. Ricardo and uh, Alonso. Not Alonso. Yeah, somebody else. Not Alonso. Someone. But anyway, he get, he just got his banker. Like, it wasn't a good lap. Like, it yeah, was it was just, it was just his banker lap. lap. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if he had, you think he could have put on flight? He was faster than George all weekend. And the Mercedes were actually faster than the Ferrari in Q1. Um, so I think it was possible for him to, to probably put it on pole. Do you think so, Arafat? Had he not had the DRS issue? Yeah, I think he would have been first or second. And But then how does the, the race end, play out, you know? Is it play out but the in the end, way? maybe that was a blessing because yeah. George at the front started on soft tires. Mm-hmm. And because Lewis was a little further back, he started he on mediums. Started on medium. 
But I don't, actually, because everybody pitted more or less around the same time after the mm-hmm. first stint. Mm-hmm. It was the second stint where Lewis, you Came know, live on the softs. Yeah, no, it was it was the way he was able to take care of the tires, the yeah. uh, the second set of mediums, and really extend that stint that helped him to get into P two rather than P three. So I think actually whether he or not he started on softs or mediums because they pitted around about it's the first same time. Yeah, I think. You know, had he done, had he started on softs, it would have gone soft, medium, soft. I think uh, instead of medium, the one of the problems was because he started on medium, he had to go medium, medium, soft, and so there was a little bit of that risk in the middle where people were like, okay, yeah, he's leading the race, but he has to stop. Whereas had he been soft, medium, he could have pulled over Verstappen and nursed the mediums till the end. So I do think we could have seen the Lewis win had the DRS not been a problem but I, I i think we are just sniffing at that first one i was looking at 2009 and basically lewis was out of the points for like six races straight until he won in mm. hungary so yeah. this is not like that this is like a gradual ramp up and I, I i don't know if he can pull a podium off in austria which is not our yeah. track ever then i think that you know this is a good sign. just to be a little bit of a debbie downer no i think like you saw the pace that Red Bull had. Yeah. And I think had qualifying gone normally, Verstappen would have been Q1 and would have just ran away with the race. I think. Yeah, but Verstappen put himself back into position. position. No, but he put him back he put himself back into position and it, Lewis passed Perez. No, Perez was uh behind Lewis, but still Perez's pace was nowhere near enough to challenge either Yeah, of those no days. exactly, but I think had things gone normally. Mm-hmm. I had Verstappen had a good qualifying and Lewis had a good qualifying. Mm-hmm. I think the final result would have been the same anyway. Like Lewis on sec. Oh, like Lewis P2. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah, Verstappen yeah. was, he was very fast. That was one of the things yeah. I wanted to talk to you about. Verstappen, you know, just Verstappen and the Red Bull team in general. Um, do you feel like Red Bull is, you know, just, you know, doing the absolute, they're, 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 unparalleled you know they're doing so well they're performing 11 out of 10 or are they just being like a competent title contending team and everybody else around them can't keep up i think there was a really good quote from mick schumacher when he was talking about how lewis has gone about winning races Mm -hmm. and he said there's nothing casual about victory Mm -hmm. like people didn't see the work that my dad put in behind the scenes and people won't see the work that Lewis put in behind the scene. There was a tweet I saw from someone that was like, oh my God, Verstappen um, going from 10th to 1st in Hungary mm-hmm. is like better than what Lewis did in Brazil 2021. First of all, no one no. asked you. Secondly, you're wrong. <laughs> but I think what it did demonstrate was Red Bull as a whole, as a team, did a really, really good job. Okay, Verstappen had the mistake where he spun. But I think as a driver, he did everything he was supposed to do. The strategy team did everything they were supposed to do. The pit crew did everything they were supposed to do. I think sometimes being competent takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And yes, Verstappen did really, really well. But I think what this race demonstrated was actually the whole of the Red Bull team is just quietly doing... You know you know when someone's really, really good at something, it makes it look like they're not putting effort in? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. They make it look easy. Yeah, That's what Red easy. Bull's doing right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a whole team that is working really well together. Unlike the other team. <laughs> the other team? <laughs> I just feel sorry team. for the other team. 
Mercedes, right? That's who we're not talking Mercedes. about. Not Mercedes. <laughs> That's not who we're talking about. <laughs> okay, okay. Ferrari. Let's Ferrari. let us let's talk about Mercedes for a second. They have been, you know, firing on all chambers. Is that what the quote is? Cylinders. Firing on all chambers. Cylinders. cylinders. <laughs> firing on all cylinders, and they've been doing whatever they can to catch back up to the top. Where, where do you think we rank now? Do you think we've made a step forward this weekend? Is it just because Hungary is a Lewis Hamilton track that it's deceptively close? Or do you think, actually, no, coming out of the summer break, we have a chance? I think we are the third fastest car, mm-hmm. but we're just behind Ferrari. Ferrari. And I think P2 and the constructors would... Is potential. Is, yeah, is, is achievable. I think that would be huge, P2 and the Constructors, based on where we started, like a full second off the pace. Yeah, definitely. We, when we started, McLaren was nipping at our heels. I remember those races where it was like, oh, will McLaren take that P5, P6, you know, qualifying? And it was like, it just to qualify P5 in a Mercedes was a big deal in those days, in the beginning of the season. So I do hope, I, I, I do think that we made some steps Yeah, you look forward. at what George Russell said. He said at the beginning of the year, we were finishing one minute behind the leaders. Yeah. In the last two races, we finished both times less than ten seconds behind the leader. Yeah, so the, so it's it, it's coming. I hope I hope next year, you know, somebody has to take the fight to Red Bull, which is funny because people have been saying that for years about Mercedes. Somebody has to take the fight to Mercedes, but somebody's gonna have to take the fight to Red Bull. Clearly, Ferrari can't. Oh well, yeah, this is what we were talking about. So we said basically for the last however many podcasts, we always get into a Red Bull did a good job, Ferrari Ferrari'd themselves. So we said, right, this time we're not going to sit and talk about all the reasons that Ferrari screwed themselves over because you've seen the <laughs> race yourself. That's all we've talked you know about the last like, four yeah, episodes. <laughs> exactly. So we said, right, today what we're going to talk about is if we were Ferrari, what would we do next? Didi? I think they needed better people in the strategy team. Like, is it not just the strategy every time for the last couple of races that it just got gone wrong? Or, there was, the, uh, or the, the engine the, goes kaput, or Leclerc does a spin. But I think it's, it, like it, it's a lot of the um, the strategy problems. Like, in um, so after the race, I don't know if you saw Leclerc's interview, and they said, um, so can you explain to us what happened and why the strategy team decided to put hard tires on. And he just went, yeah, no, no, I can't explain. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the cool down room? No, I didn't see that bit. So Lewis was like, they were just watching the screen and Lewis just looked at Verstappen and George and went, were they on hards? <laughs> and then George and Verstappen both turned around at the same time and laughed and said, yeah. <laughs> That's so okay. funny. But it was like the look on poor Charles Leclerc's face. He was just like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> what's happening in my life and i don't know why i'm standing here i don't know that's why i'm saying charles leclerc is gonna go into hiding and alonzo is gonna move to ferrari that's what's (laughs) gonna happen surely at this point ferrari should say we're out of the title contention let's focus on ourselves or no are they are they still gonna be like we can win this technically i guess they could win this if they win every single race verstappen has a dnf he doesn't take any fast like it's still possible mathematically yeah which is extremely unlikely. 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, they can. They can say, look, we want to be a winning team and the way we're going to do it is by fixing all our system issues. We're going to focus on ourselves, go as fast as we can and we'll see how many points we have at the end of the year. But our goal for Belgium is sort out our tyre simulations. And mm-hmm. then the next race they can say, our goal is to, I don't know, sort out our pit stops. Our next goal mm-hmm. is to sort out, because their strategy is so reactive all the time. Yeah. They pitted Leclerc at the wrong moment in time because they were trying to cover the undercut to Verstappen. Mm-hmm. They weren't in control of their own strategy. They couldn't see the bigger picture and what was going on. And so they need to come to races and say, we are going to be confident in our strategy, not just randomly reacting to what's going on around us. Well, Mamie Didi, you said that you they, they need to fix their strategy. How do you do that without necessarily firing everybody involved and hiring a brand new team from Alpine? <laughs> I think like I was saying, like you need to have, they need to reflect on each incident. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're they're like, all right, okay, well that happened. We'll just do it differently next time, but not really... Mm. not really addressing the reasons why things didn't happen. Like, you know, again, if I took it back to like NHS and our work, you take it back Mm -hmm. to that. It's like looking at, you do it like a a critical incident. You do it like a significant event analysis we do, where you look Mm -hmm. at, you know, what happened? Why did it happen? What did I learn from this? And what am I going to do differently? And it's the four Mm -hmm. stages of like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you not think if the NHS was a Formula One team, it would be Ferrari? Yes. Like, oh my God, look at all these amazing resources we have. Look at all these facilities. Oh my God, our car is suddenly in the wall or all our employees are upset. Like Charles Leclerc's face is the face of every NHS employee. And you know what? You know what? If the US healthcare system was a Formula One team, it would be Aston Martin throwing (laughs) all this money at the wall and coming out with a P9 car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is so funny. Um, I'm going to put that out as a tweet and ask all our, our listeners if their employer was a Formula One team, which would it be most like? Yeah. <laughs> um, and who their you... employer actually is. Yeah, <laughs> they need to call out <laughs> their they employer. they dare say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I was going to ask Umayma Didi, like, so, okay, uh, do you think this is a problem that they can fix over the summer break or at least by the end of the year? Or is this like at the end of the season, they're going to have to reevaluate everything? I think at the end of the season, they're it's just a problem they've had since two thousand eight. Yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna definitely not gonna fix over the summer break. Whilst they all just go, they'll all be like, "All right, well it's summer holidays now. We'll see you in three weeks." And they're all like on a beach somewhere for three weeks, and then they'll come back and go, "Oh yeah, we have to drive a car." <laughs> it's funny to me that even after this, putting the hearts didn't make sense. They just doubled down, and they were like. You know, we didn't have the pace because it was kind of it was cold outside, and that's why we weren't able to do it. Like <laughs> it was cold, and we didn't feel like it. <laughs> and uh, I'm just tired. Exactly. Oh, that's... Why are you asking all these questions. <laughs> but Mercedes beat the Ferraris on merit today because Lewis passed Carlos Sainz on the same tire, and not mm. like a significant tire dig either, because they just yeah yeah. So I will yeah. take that. We are beating Perez. We're beating Sainz. That means we just have two more cars to beat and we can start winning these races. And Leclerc takes himself out of the leadership contention every race. So it's really just for Stappen. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But it was quite nice. I think that was one thing with the race, like this time, it was quite nice to see Hamilton actually in some sort of contention position, like, you know, actually, actually racing, actually overtaking and actually working his way up the, the, you know, through the... You can tell, like, how excited he gets when he's like that, because in Silverstone, that was the last time he was kind of like that. He was leading the race for some period, I think, like, 10 laps. And they kept he kept getting on the radio, and he's like, tires are fine, tires are fine. Like, don't box me out of this position. Yeah. And he did that this race, too, where he was just like, yeah, tires are good. I feel good. Everything's good. Like, don't don't pit me out of... Because he was leading, too. He's like, don't pit me out of this leading position. The only problem is, because he was on mediums, he had to pit to get off the medium. So that's why I think, had he started on the soft on pole position, once he got to that point where he was like, yeah, yeah, don't pit me out of out of this position... He would somebody would have had to hold Verstappen off, but if it had that been possible, I think he could have made it. I think he could have won the race. Speaking of coulda, woulda, shoulda, should we get to our fantasy F one league? Yes, let's do it. Who won this week? So this week the winner was Gabriel S with their team Kaboom. They had Verstappen as the mega driver. They had Sainz, Norris, Albon, and Magnussen. More exciting. You know how me and you usually are like fiftieth place. Yeah. So I came in the top ten. I came what? eighth with my team that where I've forgotten I? to change for the last four races. I don't know. I didn't look where you were. Um, but also quite interestingly, uh, I was behind a friend of the pod, Ash, who came joint six with someone else. Wow. Ash, who has not ever paid attention to Formula One in his life. he came Or changed his team. <laughs> or changed his team. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Gabriel S, please get in touch because we have a 3D printed track from Little Prince 3D of the Hungaro ring, which we will send to you. And if you want your own track, make sure you visit Little Prince 3D on Etsy. We'll have the link below, and you can use the code SLOWPITSTOP to get a discount. Um, get on there and get it quick before our offer expires. It almost ended a few weeks ago, and we've had a little bit of an extension. So get on there and get your track now. Woo! We don't have any tweets for you guys this week because Alonzo beat us to it. He is faster than us. Yeah. Alonzo is yeah. faster than us. <laughs> and also the uh, Alpine Twitter admin as well. Yeah. <laughs> Alonzo is faster than you. But um, we are going to have some incredible uh, summer break content coming out. We're not planning on just going to a beach for three weeks, although that sounds really nice. I actually just came back from a beach, so maybe I shouldn't be the one to talk. And Arafat came back from Alpine, which is kind of like a beach. Um, but we will have <laughs> an interview with Bianca Bustamante, who had double back-to-back races in France and Hungary. That'll be coming out soon. She also took a picture with um, our savior, uh, Lewis Hamilton. And so she's beaten both of us to that, which is quite incredible incredible and frustrating for us so we'll talk to her about that that'll be coming up soon we've got some donuts and drivers that's coming up soon we plan on having an episode evaluating the first half of the season so that should come out soon i keep saying soon because none of this stuff is recorded yet and we have to like figure that out but it'll come out and uh that'll be some really good uh mid-season stuff for you guys so keep an eye out on our twitter for all the latest updates also i've started making memes and uh, i don't know if they're good or not so like them anyway to make me feel better yeah thank you very much everyone for listening thank you very much to Didi for joining us everybody have a good week and have a good summer break bye Bye. everyone bye
This has been a production for Not That Good Media.